Welcome to the next episode of Design Under Influence. We have an awesome guest today, but first let me introduce um, my co-host, Boris Rappaport. Boris, say hey. Hi, everybody. Yep. Not a man of many words. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet a, you know, a big brain, a lot of talent, and we'll we'll sort of hopefully poke at some of that today. There's a, there's a good duo here. Um Wanted to introduce our topic today and then introduce our guest. Okay, so we're going to just go wide. We're going to just travel out maybe in the future a little bit, elevate, look at things a little bit globally at the industry, what's happening, things like machine learning, things like innovation, things like, you know, what happens around the corner two years from now. And um, our guests will help us kind of bring it down to today and how to have your firm be firmly planted in in this innovation cycle and be successful, um, connected to your mission and be successful in your day-to-day business, be happy and so on. So let me introduce my guest today. Um, yeah, her name is Mercedes, super cool name. Uh, she's a co-founder of a company called Slantis. And then Mercedes, feel free to just pop in and correct me, but um, you basically, Slantis making technology happen for architecture firms. Do you wanna just say hello and tell us a little bit about your company and your work? Yeah, sure. Um, hi, everyone. Thanks, Alex and Boris. Uh, it's great to be here. Um, yeah, so Slendis makes technology happen for architecture firms. Uh, mainly that, that ranges from uh, BIM consultancy to BIM automation to just like improving your innovation and digital practice in general. Gotcha. Did you get your start as an architect and you sort of flowed into the tech side of things? How did that transition happen? Yeah, so I'm a licensed architect. And I transitioned into technology. I kind of took a, a break from architecture uh, because I was bored and and just got in touch with many technology initiatives, um, not only on, pro- on the programming side, but also like on the electronic side, uh, which is a big passion. So I, I really felt the architecture industry was lacking a lot of things that were happening in the technology industry. Um, and Stellantis is kind of builds up on that. So do you feel the architecture industry today is all caught up on the latest technology? No. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> and uh and if they were, um, you know, things things might have been a little bit uh different. But what are some of the big gaps? I mean you you just attended well maybe talk to us about this this Autodesk conference you just attended and, and what sort of your takeaways there because there's a lot of future scaping happens in these larger you know leading software uh companies who think 10 five ten years from now right that's you know their their roadmaps are pretty long um and they have a lot of cash to implement those and do a lot of r and d so what have you gained out of that experience? Um, Autodesk University was great, like mainly the fact to be able to see people again in person. Uh, I think that was a huge component of attending AU this year. Um, then just like going back to the, the swing of conferences and see what's out there uh, in person um, was amazing. Like there's a lot of um, new companies and new technologies. Like I, I noticed there was a big shift into manufacturing and coding, like not like it's kind of getting um, more serious on that sense. So so that's good. Also like Autodesk acquire, acquire um, Facemaker, 
like an AI powered, um, I would say like, yeah, generator. Um, so like those topics still remain in the agenda and there's many great companies out there just like um, Hyper, Testfit, who has been kind of pushing things uh, very steadily. Uh, but I still feel like we're talking about the same things and there's not much more progress in terms of adoption. Um, I really feel like the, the technologies and, and sometimes the products and the power of the technologies are out there. Uh, but what's missing is just like the change of mindset from our industry as a whole in order to be able to, to adapt and to include those into our current workflow. Let me ask you a question. And I guess that's, uh, I, I really want to know. So the big companies, okay, the big companies are too slow and too, uh, I guess, bureaucratic or too, uh, uh, you know, stringent, I guess, I guess, too, too packed. Uh, there's too many people, uh, ha- you know, too many things happening. They're too busy to implement. Well, not say too busy. They're uh, too slow to implement technology. The smaller companies are more nimble, but they're running with their heads cut off, right? Like, because they're super busy, because they're just trying to do, because every person wears multiple hats. How do you, how, how do you address this? I mean, you know, how does even tech get gets implemented in business? Like, I, I'm having a hard time understanding. The big ones are too too slow. The small ones are too busy. Yeah. Um, well, there's always two sides of the coin. Uh, I mean, maybe the big have the big ones have the resources and the smallest stones. Like that's what usually people think. It, like you tend to label situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the good thing is, like properly understood, technology is any any new way of improving something or any new way of doing a thing. So it doesn't need to be bounded to computers necessarily. Um, so like that's being uh, super positive about the fact that like you can just improve things without even the user computer. It just takes the time to recognize what you can improve and what's not working and just like taking a step towards improving it. Uh, so that that's kind of a, yeah, just like hopeful message. Uh, then <laughs> um, then like there's many, there's many types of, there, there's like we can, break down innovation into two uh, big groups. Like there's the evolutionary innovation, which is uh, like based on pinch points, like it fed from incremental steps. And then there's the revolutionary innovation, like in which you really change something for good or just like worldwide, or like it's, you need to be on the bigger picture side and look into the future. Um, so I think people tend, like people's brain, our brain, <laughs> tend to go to the revolutionary innovation side right away um, and forget about that every incremental step you take towards a better and more efficient way of doing things is a kind of innovation. Um, so it's pretty, I'm, I'm starting with a pretty hopeful message uh, to get, <laughs> to then get down into the, the, the more challenging things. Um, mm. But, and yeah, and so like 
in order to answer your question, like how do you tackle that? Well, you just first need to want to tackle it, like whether if it's on your belief or your company belief or personal belief, like you have to choose to tackle it. So that's the first thing you have to acknowledge that you wanna take a step um, towards the future or towards innovation or towards being more efficient or just like towards being a more attractive profession for architects, which is a really big topic right now. Like many architects, there's an exodus of architect professionals, uh, whether because they're uh, going to to the software um, realm or just like taking a step aside as I did at some point, uh, because like the they're not the were or are not challenging. They're finding challenging, um, yeah, problems to solve. Mm. Um, so like the, again, like the first thing is to acknowledge that you want to do something in order to improve what your current situation is. Uh, and then the second one is um, spotting the, a problem. It doesn't have to be the right problem, but just like spotting a problem and see what can be a solution to that problem, whether if it involves a software, a computer, or just the soft side of organizing things um, and having innovation on your uh, company leadership plate. Gotcha. So how do you know as a company that you're falling behind? You are. <laughs> <laughs> so if, I, I guess uh, your answer is... For me, that was super mean. <laughs> if you ask, if you have to ask that question, you are. <laughs> right well i mean you're asking very complex questions Alice. i don't know them all <laughs> but <laughs> um no i can like you shouldn't be thinking about if you're falling behind or not like again i i think that's not the question you want to be asking yourself the question is like how how do i do what do i do or how do i keep up to speed and like it's it's a very different question. And since you since you uh, mentioned AU at the beginning, I went to a leadership session at AU and uh, we did like a brainstorming exercise on what were um, her problems and her challenges and what, what, what was difficult to address and why. Um, and one thing that get repeated over and over again, so there were post-its post all over AU with this. It was like too many options. Um, and and I feel that that kind of brings me back to my my point of defining the problem because like there is a lot of options and there is a lot of advances um, and people kind of tend to go to the safest and most known place whether it's, if that is I don't know Autodesk software or just like your company and just like not getting sideways. Uh, but I think it's because like they're looking at the options and not at the problems. Because yeah, if you're able to frame a specific problem, it's easier um, to find a simpler option. That is an excellent point. Agrees with me. <laughs> that is an excellent point because yeah, a lot of times what we see, and even on our side, but in general, right, somebody finds a tool and then tries tries to make it fit. Uh, into their workflow, as opposed to first identifying, right? Like we're trying to coach um, people that we work with is identify what you're trying to solve, right? Find the requirements, and then we can look at the tools and see if they fit that requirements. Usually it's backwards. 
Mm. Right. Yeah. I, I think, a, yeah, this, this is from personal experience running multiple businesses, implementing systems. Um, and by the way, I was very selfish. My question, how do you know you're fall, falling behind was very selfish. Like I am a business owner and I, I am, and Boris, both, both and I, <laughs> business owners, we, we understand like, are we innovating at the pace? I guess the question was like, are we innovating at the sustainable pace that will put us ahead as an organization or should we do more or should we take the step back? Because like, let me give you an example. We hired an automation engineer um, and we're, you know, 10 people person company. Like, you know, and, and this is, this is like, is this is investment into definitely innovation and, and, and stepping up our game and making sure we can deliver product very cost effectively for our customers, but is it the right time? Is it too much, too fast? If you ask me, there is no wrong time. Because I think <laughs> as Mercedes said, you can always find process, right? It's not just an innovation conversation around technology. It's innovating around the processes. And right. you and I both knows that, know that, right? Okay. Like you can always find incremental improvements in your workflows and your processes whether you use technology or you just document things better so that people can follow it better and be more efficient that way. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of documenting too, Boris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then... Where, you go, where you go, where you go, I mean, wherever you want to go, Mercedes, go, because I have a next, uh, I have a next, uh, uh, you know, a hard question coming up. Yeah, no, so in preparation for your hard question. So I, I just like want to bring up the point that like people tend to put the challenge into technology or the amount of options or the difficulty to spend time learning a new way of doing things. Uh, but that just drifts away the problem from adoption and the openness we have towards that. Uh, so there really is a soft side of technology. Again, that you can buy a super expensive piece of software, um, but then if you don't implement it or use it up to its full potential, it's not that you're innovating, it's not a checkbox, it's not that you're staying up to speed. Um, so so there's really that too. And then there's a, I read a, a tweet a couple of days or weeks ago, which was like uh, from, um, yeah, technology company in the AC industry. I don't recall exactly which one, uh, but it was like our biggest competitor is Apathy. And it's pretty incendiary, but I completely agree with it. I'm going to scrap my hard question and I'm going to go with <laughs> flow here, but I'm going to poke a little bit. Softer side of tech. You mentioned a pre-show. I love it. Um, I didn't know what that means. Now I understand. It's basically the application. Like what is it actually going to be able to solve for you and how to get to that solution versus just looking at features and, and ticking boxes um, during the selection process. Okay. I get that. But how do you implement software properly? Can you give us some, some advice? Uh, what have you seen? You're working in a tech company. You've seen a lot of architects probably fail implementation, you know, probably very, very successful and somewhere in between. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I have to highlight the process, um, it's just, Identify the problem. Um, that can take a bunch of time. Just like identify the problem. Um, be sure that's aligned to like your principle. Like 
that's a huge part of it too. Like if it's not aligned with your principles, no matter how identified you have a problem, uh, if your company does not believe in making things different and improving our industry for the better, I'm sorry to tell you, it's not going to happen. You got to be open to it. Um, so you just, yeah, just like got to identify the problem, then be open to it and be sure that everybody's on the same boat in terms of beliefs. Um, and then like start fast, uh, like avoid over planning. Um, start like, fast. Ooh, ooh, I like that. I like to unpack fast. that a little bit. Is that yeah. start fast and fail fast? I like that. And don't yeah, make stuff I, I up. Like the fail fast part. part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like you gotta, you gotta start, <laughs> you gotta start fast, um, because it, like, it, after that comes commitment and diligence. Um, so like once you start, if you commit and like diligently approach whatever you're trying to approach, I mean, you're going to get there and certainly you're going to find what needs to be improved. So that that's how our teams work. Um, like we just like spot a problem, um, align on what, what we believe in and what we believe that's a problem. Like some people see a problem with others don't. Um, we align on that, uh, we start, and then we rapidly adapt to changing circumstances. I love it. Identify the problem, be sure it aligns with your principles, start fast, and then from there, you know, you break the glass, you're, you're on the other side, it is what it is, you know, you got to run, and then from there comes commitment and diligence. That's pretty good. It's very good. Thanks. Did you come out there on the fly, or did you prep that? I did, I did, I did. No, I'm, I'm surprised. We should get together <laughs> often, more often. <laughs> oh well, that's why I love doing these things. A lot of a lot of interesting, you know, it, like I said, a lot of this podcast business is very selfish. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, you you don't get to talk this uh, on on these kind of focused subject with people of high interest in you know um, interesting people and stuff like that. So anyway, um, let's 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 keep flowing with this. I I think that's. That's that's fantastic. So we've sort of like we've we've sort of already gave a lot of actionable advice on how to kind of structure your thinking around um, you know make sure innovation is on the agenda. Is that the word you the statement you used yeah. and and how to do it? Um, I think we've talked about that pretty well. But uh, I also want to kind of pivot us out into machine learning. You've you've been experimenting a lot, and I wanted you to kind of give us a little bit of your understanding on it and where you think we're going and give us all the interesting stuff. Should we start with, sorry, uh, just kind of to narrow it down a little bit. Should we start with what is machine learning in your understanding, Mercedes? Yeah. I mean, we can start with, my, with what is machine learning. Like I'm not a, an expert in the field, uh, but I know like where our industry is at and when like the technology industry is at. Uh, and I think we should start to, just like be taking a, a deeper look into it because it will change us, uh, because it will change our industry. Yeah, like just to 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 answer your question, like the field of machine learning, uh, it's, I don't know how, like um, it's like machine learning is a branch of AI uh, of and computer science. Um, and its focus is on, um, data and algorithm. So what they basically do is like they replicate the neuron system we humans have uh, with machines. 
um, but like more more specifically, like analytical AI or traditional AI um, is the kind of AI that analyze a bunch of data and find patterns uh, much better than we humans do. Like humans are good at analyzing things, but machines are definitely better. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this should be in the agenda is because like up to now, machine has no chance of competing with humans um, or yeah, at, at, at creative work. Uh, because like, again, like the, what was developed was more on the side of analyzing big amounts of data rather than generating new amounts of data, uh, which is what the creation process is like. And that's what architects, what we are good at creating. Um, so like, again, like until recently machines were not in the agenda or weren't on the agenda for competing with humans at creative works or generating new stuff. Um, but machines are starting to get good at that. Um, that branch is called generative AI and machines are generating like new things and pretty beautiful ones. <laughs> um, so it really puts um, all the creative cells in a position in which they need to rethink uh, if they want to adapt or not, because I feel there's a new space being created and there's a new opportunity being created. And if we don't take it, somebody else will. Um, so like as architects, uh, as creators, uh, we better think if we're going to be um, evaluating or be open to uh, taking that spot. Uh, but then just like to, to be more specific about like what tools um, have people in there is out there in terms of generative AI. You probably heard of DALI uh, or Ima Imagine. Um, there's also Mid Journey. So those are um, AI tools that generate images based from text prompts. So let's say you put like red apple uh, and it will generate an image of a red apple or just like red apple with puppies on a I don't know, swing. And, and it, it will start generating images or variation of those images based on that prompt. Um, so there's many people around the industry that, that have been playing around with, for example, New Journey, generating buildings or crazy buildings uh, up from text prompts, which look pretty nice. Um, it's not that we're going, that that is going to be replacing what architects do. Um, and again, like when you when you start to get many images that look a certain way, it certainly loses its value. So I definitely see that. But at least it's very tangible uh, the power uh, that AI and machine learning has nowadays, and the power that it has within our industry specifically. Um, there's a really good article, uh, a really good um, edition of AEC magazine. Um, and there's an article by uh, Martin Day that's AI the coming tsunami that gives like a big overview of, of where is AI and how does it touch um, our industry. Gotcha. Can Very I, interesting. Uh, hey, Go ahead, sorry, Alex. I, I think we need to summarize this a little bit um, just to the point of <laughs> so. where where we started from and where we're at now in terms of AI and machine learning, right? So the initial uh, implementation, let's call it, as Mercedes said, is um, 
data analytics, right? So they were able to analyze huge piles of data and find any anomalies. So that's used still, I mean, right now that's used a lot for like um, analyzing x-ray images, for example, and finding like cancer um, or, you know, analyzing business risk, data and finding anomalies management. there, right? But this next generation of AI is now able to create. So it gathered all that data. And now based on those analysis, it can say, okay, I know what this looks like. So I know what a house with, you know, three bedrooms now looks like, and we can tell it, hey, can you draw me a house with three bedrooms? And it's going to go and draw a house with three bedrooms. So that's the, I think that's the exciting part. And it's funny, you mentioned all these multiple tools. Like I've seen a comparison of people trying to draw the same thing with all these different tools and completely different sets of images yeah. emerge. Some have different thematics, like some are more gothic, some are more cheery. Yeah. Like it's it's weird then, yeah. Interesting, because that's, I guess those are the images that I was learning on, leading um, those ways. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I've been just playing around for fun, uh, but what I see is definitely like the the tools and the power of tools out there. And that there's also I think a couple of time ago time ago a tool that turns images into a three D model. The tool is called Kadim. Um, so I don't know. It really makes you think about like if I can generate an image from a text prompt and I can learn that language because that's a language in which you need to communicate with the computer with a specific language. It's not that it reads your mind, right? It's just like not, it's not like you type, um, I don't know, like multifamily limestone, Spanish mission, blah, blah, blah. And it just pops out the, the image you have in your head. You need to be able to transmit that image to the computer. But once you do that and you recall that, then you'll be able to have a 3D model of it. Uh, which is quite crazy just to think about it. Yeah, quite quite fascinating. You know, when we, um, you know, 1970s, before the computers, you know, computers were a plaything. You know, they were just coming out, you know, in the about 80s, we started, you know, using for business application. It was still slow. Only big companies could afford it, and it was just more of a show. And then uh, as, you know, obviously that you know, it made a huge jump and everybody is obviously using computers now. Same thing with cloud. The cloud was a play thing, right? I mean, I, I have a server in my closet. What are you kidding me? But I'll play around with the cloud and <laughs> you know see this and that. And then and then that innovation kind of swept us the heck out, especially when <laughs> it broke us over the rocks with the COVID thing. Um, and then I think that machine learning and um, some of the AI aids to current professions. You know, that's kind of a next thing. I think also uh, not crypto per se, but uh, uh, the network that it's building, uh, distributed computing. I think that's the next thing. So all those innovations are play thing. They're becoming more serious now, but, you know, it's 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 the next frontier. And then, so, so Mercedes advice and our advice as an IT company to you, dear listeners, is, you know, innovation on the agenda, you know, put it on the agenda. And then don't be stressing over all these choices. Focus on, focus on the softer side of tech. You know, once you know, pick something and start picking at it. Go fast at it, and um, you know, from there you, you, 
you, you would have consistency and diligence in implementing, make sure the tech technology is implemented and actually producing the outcomes you were gaining and then on to the next. Um, so that's kind of our show. Any last piece of advice for our listeners, Mercedes? Be happy. Ah. <laughs> like no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it is. No, I, I think it's a really great time to be in our industry. Um, people tend to get overwhelmed about um, how fast things are moving. Um, but everybody who's in our industry right now is in a very good position uh, to change things for the better. Um, so, like, I would embrace it. If I were you, I would embrace it. <laughs> Gotcha. Can you tell our listeners how to find you if they wanted to check out what your company offers or maybe talk to you, ask you questions? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you can reach me out. My name is Mercedes uh, and I'm pretty much everywhere at Merete Carry. Uh, if you have a link to post on the podcast, I will share the link. And our website is www.plantis. Dot com. Plantis is S-L-A-N-T-I-S. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Boris, thank you as well. Um, you know, if you guys are looking out there and you finding yourself struggling with your IT, that's no bueno, okay? Um, that <laughs> will just set you off onto all kinds of wrong directions because if your foundation isn't solid, how could you innovate? How could you innovate when your server constantly fails, when your users are not being set up, when uh, you can't get a phone call back from your IT company? That's just a little plug for ArcIT, okay? So if you guys need help, get ArcIT.com. We're here for you. And I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you very much for listening, watching, and see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. It was great. Thank you, everyone. Bye.